Welcome to another edition of the Ultimate Weigh-In Show. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on social media at MMALOT. And this week, we're going over UFC 274, headlined by two title fights. We got the lightweight title on the line, hopefully, with Charles Oliveira taking on uh Justin Gaethje, and then in the Coleman event, we're looking at a strawweight title fight between Rose Namajunas trying to avenge her first ever loss in the UFC to Carla Esparza uh, way back in December of 2014 is when they first fought. Carla Esparza got... Um, Got the dub that night, picking up a third round rear naked choke. Now Rose Namajunas is looking to avenge that loss and defend her title while doing so. But... I first have a guest that I want to bring on with me, and I have uh, a great guest for you guys, a very well-known and respected journalist in the game. He knows his shit. He's very good with interviewing fighters and giving us that humanizing athletes uh, article that we normally see on a week-to-week basis. Love my guy, and I was more than happy to finally bring him onto the show. Give a round for, of applause for my guy, Alex Bahunin. What's going on, Alex? Manfred, thank you so much for having me on, man. I, I- Really appreciate it. I really, I really, 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 really appreciate it. <laughs> no, for sure, brother. We, we, we've DM'd back and forth quite a lot over the uh, you know, the last year or so. We, we've really gotten pretty good with each other, and I was very happy to you know extend the invite to you here. I was looking through, I'm like, who can I bring on you know to to help uh, really drive home the point of how big this card is? And like, let me let me let me call on my guy Alex, and uh, sure enough, you know, you're in the middle of a move if I'm not mistaken, but you still answer the call here, so I truly appreciate that. I appreciate it, bro. And I must say, I mean, I think we have the two best beards in hey. in, uh, in in MMA. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Maybe Luke Thomas at times may have something to true, say. True, but true, true, true. No, I, I'll take that compliment for sure. Uh, before we get into the fights, though, I quickly actually just wanted to ask you. I was going to ask you last night when you tweeted about it, but I'm like, you know what? Let me save it for the show. Uh, a couple of nights ago, you went to go watch The Northman. Uh, that yes. new uh, Vikings movie that was out. And I went to go watch it pretty much the day that it came out. I was very excited for it, very interested to, to, to see what it is. Uh, I you know I know you are a sober uh, individual. You've been sober for many years at this point in time. I went high as a kite, uh, you know, baked off of, uh, smoked a nice fat J before I went to go watch that movie. And I immediately regretted it during that first like ritual scene. Like, what the heck? Are they just going to, is the director going to come out from behind the screen and be like, joke's on you guys? Like, I was I was mystified at what I experienced in that movie. What were your quick takeaways from that movie without uh, giving too much away? You know what's crazy is is I went in kind of with low expectations because I heard that it's it's like the greatest thing in cinema to like it sucked ass and it's don't watch it. So I was like fuck like what like where like where am I? So I kind of went in with low expectations and I thoroughly enjoyed myself, man. Uh, I mean they could have cut maybe 20 minutes out of it it was a little bit long but other than that man it was cool i i loved i mean i'm a violence kind of source so i love violence movies it was it was good and i thought the story was cool i mean it kind of just ended in a way so like that yeah. like that portion was like whatever but like, other than that i fucking thoroughly enjoyed myself have you seen dr strange though I haven't, and I didn't want to mention that at all because I know a lot of people are like, hey, let's keep the spoilers to a minimum. And I'm going to do my best to go over Maybe even tonight, if I can find tickets, it's more than likely going to be sold out, but I want to go watch it because there's nothing more that I hate than spoilers. Uh, so I do want to watch that ASAP. And just by seeing from your reaction, seems like it was a damn good movie, eh? It was, dude, it's, it, it's, it's so, it's fun, and the cameos in it are fucking great. So please avoid spoilers at all costs. 
I will. I will do so. Uh, all right. Let's get back into the uh, the MMA side of things here. And I'm quickly seeing that uh, one of the gaffes that we had this morning was Charles Oliveira coming up pound, or, or half pound over the championship weight limit. He is stepping on the scale once again. And I'm just going to quickly wait here for a second to see if he makes it. They got the box of shame out for him. He, he still hits 155 and a half. Does that mean his title gets vacated? From what I've heard, that if he beats Justin, it's a vacant title. But if Justin wins, he's the champion. So, yeah, I was just trying to hear here what uh, what uh, Anik was saying, but nothing from him. Crazy that he so he weighed in initially at one hundred fifty five and a half pounds. They gave him an hour, and uh, here he is now. Uh, nothing came off. Nothing came yeah. off, and even uh, Michael Chandler actually tweeted out just saying, uh, uh, making weight is always hard, but thinking you're on weight, then missing weight, just to have to go back and lose more weight after you've lost your initial sweat is a living nightmare, both physically and mentally. Man, not the way I really want to start off this, this, this stream, but that really adds a wrench into the title implications of this fight. So normally it's... Uh, uh, like you said, if Charles Oliveira wins, the title is going to be vacant, if I'm not mistaken. But if uh, if Gaethje wins, more than likely he gets the title. Is that is that correct? From from my understanding, yeah, that is correct. Which is fucking crazy. Wow, it's insane. Like for the champion to miss weight, and again, not even lose anything for the hour. Like you got to wonder how much of a detriment that truly puts him at, right? Like that that that's insane to me. It, I missed, yeah. I missed. I'm speechless. Yeah, it is. Someone was saying that he botched it, like he was on weight, and maybe maybe something happened, and that little that little bit came back on. I, I don't. Man, it is crazy, dude. Charles Oliveira is like that's been one of his one of the big negatives about him, right? Is his weight misses when he was at featherweight, and now he misses at lightweight, and now he's gonna lose his title if, if he wins. Fuck, dude. <laughs> I want to I want to keep my eyes on and see uh uh what's happening here. So, uh wow, <laughs> Justin Gaethje just actually posted something on Twitter saying that he's 165.2 pounds as of this moment <laughs> as Charles Oliveira is still trying to go out there and sort out the last half pound. So, absolute savage there. Uh Marcel Dwarf saying Oliveira is 155.5 on his second uh, weigh-in. He lost his belt on the scales. Gaethje is likely the only one who can win the vacant belt tomorrow. So, Man, what what a what a, what a whirlwind of of a last hour! I can't believe Charles Oliveira ends up losing to the scale, dog. Let's you know what? Let's let's start off from the top. Uh, usually, I start from the bottom of the card. Let's start off right at the top. Let's start off with the main event. Well, we'll talk about it a little bit here, and obviously, we'll talk about what the weight miss implications. Uh, Charles Oliveira, I guess, former champ taking on challenger uh, Justin Gaethje here. In terms of odds, we're currently looking at minus 170 uh, and plus 150 the return on Justin Gaethje. I'm already seeing the numbers start to come down. Minus 160 now for Charles Oliveira, plus 140 the return on uh, Justin Gaethje. Okay, sorry. It looks like there's a UFC official about to make an announcement here. So let me uh, let, let me just quickly hear what he says here. Update. The fight is still on. The title is vacant. Damn. If Damn. Charles wins, the belt will be vacant. If Gaethje wins, 
he will be the champion. That's according to... Yeah, that's according to a, a UFC spokesperson who just uh, made a made a statement to the media members there. God damn, that that is crazy. I, I know you're you're a journalist extraordinaire, so I'll let you get those tweets out and those messages out that you need to hear. So I'll quickly tee this up for you and then bring it on back to you. Uh, Charles Oliveira I, again, like Alex was saying, has had weight issues in the past at 145 pounds, uh, but since moving back up to 155 pounds, never really a miss, right? He's pretty much had his weight under control and he's been able to put together a solid 10 fight winning streak. Uh, you know one of the knocks on him back in the day used to be the fact that he would quit in fights as soon as he faced adversity he would you know look for the exit and you know fighters were more than likely take him to the exit uh but managed to swing together 10 straight wins which included a title win and a title defense last time around against dustin poirier back in december uh solid striking great jiu-jitsu holds the record in the ufc for most submission victories at 15 i was thinking he's gonna add another one to his record this weekend uh, with uh, number 16 over D justin gaethje but you gotta believe that the weight miss here is gonna have a huge factor and not to mention like again the main the big point here he weighed in at 155.5 pounds. They give him another hour, and he still can't cut the half pound. You got to wonder how drained a fighter is to not even be able to sweat for another hour to even get a half a pound off. Well, what are your thoughts about this matchup? And obviously, you know, try to digest what just happened as well. Dude, it is. It's 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 almost making me speechless. Like he's. It's always been an issue for him, and then you know, he's been grinding so hard. And he like changed his body, changed everything, changed weight classes, goes up, and then he misses weight, and then he loses his title that he's grinded so hard to get, dude. What the fuck, dude? Wow. Um, <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, I, I think the pendulum kind of swings for Gaethje because I picked Charles Oliveira to beat Gaethje. But now it's like with him being so drained and him putting his body through an, another hour to try and cut weight, it's like maybe it's it's gonna take some damage on his on his chin. And we all know Justin Gaethje swings hard, and I feel like if he catches Charles, it, it might be you know even more extreme. Yeah, it could definitely be more impactful, especially when you don't, you're not getting the fluids back into your brain and all that type of stuff. Like it's a, it's a big concern for me personally as a better, one of the best that I was looking at is the under two and a half, right? I was thinking that, you know, somebody's going to get a finish. Somebody's going to go out there, whether it's Charles Oliveira finding a submission, maybe even a potential TKO from him as well, or on the flip side for uh, Justin Gaethje finding that big shot and eventually putting him out. And now it's kind of making me even more confident in taking that violence bet here on the under two and a half i'm absolutely certain that we're going to see this line get smashed on justin gaethje now and i wouldn't even be surprised if it either comes down to a plus 120 ish range for justin gaethje or even a, a, a pick em line here for gaethje one statistic i've been throwing out all week and i'll continue to throw it out is the the violence bets uh have been cashing for uh, charles Oliveira for the last 16 fights that he's had 15 out of 16 fights have all finished under two and a half rounds. The only one to go over that two and a half round mark was the Tony Ferguson fight where uh, he, uh, you know, just pretty much grappled him the entire time, nullified his jiu-jitsu, kept him on the ground and just grinded him out. Uh, in terms of a prediction, man, I, 
I might have to make that last minute swing here again. I don't, not often do I make a swing after a weight miss because I don't try to put too much into it. But when it's this significant, like to the point that you're not able to get that extra pound off, I feel like his durability is going to suffer extremely here. And uh, I think that Gaethje, once he lands on him, will likely be able to hurt him and put him out of there. And I think Gaethje might even know right off the bat, let's go after this motherfucker, right? Let's just go after him. He's more than likely not going to be fully recovered from that uh, that damage that he's done to his body. Let's try to just get him out of there as soon as possible and make this an easy night. Uh, so, yeah, I I'm making the full 180 here, man. I I'm going to go with Justin Gaethje. I'm going to take him to win by knockout. But more than likely, my favorite bet here is going to be the under two and a half. Just in case Charles Oliver said says fuck it as well and throws some flying knee or something and lands something crazy as well. I I'll go with Gaethje. Who are you going to go with here? I am... I'm mimicking you and I'm, I'm going to get you too. Like I had Charles Oliver def definitely winning this. And now that this way guys totally swinging me the other way. And, uh, yeah, I think Gaethje gets it done. Wow. I mean, what a, what a I know, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put you, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to put my words together. I can see you even trying to put your words together, right? Oh, hey, dude. Hey, can you remember off the top of your head the last time something like this happened? Where a fighter lost the lost the belt on the scales. No, is anybody so in the it, comment section that remembers as well? It hit me as well. But what's crazy is last time they were in Arizona, Figgy had had was last minute had had a had a last minute weight cut issue, and we all we all in, in the media room we all thought he was going to miss, and then last last minute he just pulled it off. So like that's the last one that's like very recent. We're like, oh my god, is Figgy going to miss weight? But as for some, who was the last one to do? Maybe Luke, Luke is saying Nico Montano, but I, I don't know if that was on the scale. I think she just, you, you know, she she just vacated it, and then uh, Valentina ended up finding somebody else for the title. You 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 all Romero missed weight. Yeah, is Luke Rockhold wasn't the champion though, right? He, right. He, I believe it was for I believe it was for a vacant title, if, right. if I'm not mistaken, right. or even the interim title. But yeah, he missed weight because of that as well. Man, that that uh, yeah, uh, it's gonna take me a while to process that. Man, I wasn't expecting to sh start the show off like that. That is absolutely crazy. All right, uh, let's let's move on to the next fight here because there were only two weight misses on the card. That was obviously the most insignificant one of them. We'll talk about the other one a little bit later on in the show. Let's get to the coming event here. Let's try to get our shit back together here. We got straw weight strap on the line. Carlos Barza taking on champion Rose Namajunas. This is a rematch of a fight that took place in December of 2014 and that night, I believe it was only the fifth professional fight for Rose Namajunas. She had a tremendous amount of pressure on her shoulders, especially from Dana White saying, you know, she could be the next Ronda Rousey. She could be the next big thing. More often than not, whenever Dana White tries to hype somebody up from the Ultimate Fighter, doesn't pan out for them, right? The other one that comes to mind is obviously Uriah Hall. He was very impressive on the show. We all remember that spinning back kick uh, knockout he had over Adam Chella, but never really panned out into the killer that a lot of people expected him to be. Rose Namajunas, on the other hand, you know, it took her a while to finally get her shit together, but when she did, she managed to get, capture the title. She lost the title, but she got it back again. And uh, now this is going to be the fourth fighter that she's going to be rematching inside the UFC. Uh, and she's hoping to make a statement here, especially considering that she, it was her first ever loss in the UFC. Um, I, personally, I, I, I do think that Rose is up to the challenge here now. I think she's vastly improved from the fighter that we saw back in 2014. Her distance management is much better. Her striking is improving. She's really learning how to like turn her shots over now to really allow her to have that knockout power, which is very deceiving at 115 pounds, right? Not a lot of fighters we can say oh 
that fighter has knockout power. Jessica Andrade, maybe, right? That's about it. And then you look at Rose Namajunas, doesn't look like somebody that can put your lights out, but she's done it over and over again to high-level fighters, right? Yoani and Jacek and Wally Zhang, to be, to be specific. Uh, here, she obviously has to worry about a wrestler-heavy threat from uh, Carla Esparza, one of the best wrestlers in that division. You know, I believe Tatiana Suarez has moved up to 125 pounds now, so I think we can legitimately give that best wrestler in at, at strawweight to Carla Esparza. Uh, Going to be a tough task for Rose to, to stop those takedowns. Uh, I think she will get taken down, but I do think she'll do a good job of either fighting off of her back with throwing up submissions or finding reversals, or pushing on the hips of uh, Carla Esparza, getting back to her feet, and then getting back to her bread and butter of using her striking and potentially finding a late finish in this fight. So I'm going to go with Rose uh, Namajunas and still here. Uh, not a huge amount of confidence uh, to the point that I'm actually going to bet it, but I'm actually looking at the under four and a half here. I'm thinking violence either way, right? Carla Esparza, if she's truly going to be as dominant as most people expect her to be on the mat, likely she could find the finish once again. But on the flip side with Rose Namajunas, she can finish you on the ground. She can finish you on the feet. I think the longer that this fight goes, the more we see it play out in the striking realm, and that's where Rose will eventually find that knockout blow. I'm going Rose inside the distance. What about you, Alex? Um, answer me this, and I was supposed to, I, I wanted to go back and watch the fight, but did Weili Zhang take down Rose in their Five second times. fight? Five times. Okay. That's, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. I went to UFC stats, and I think I was looking at the wrong – call him or whatever but um yeah so i I've like i, I kind of had this feeling all all week that carlos marza could make this a boring fight and just kind of take down rose and kind of just grind her out for five rounds and i kind of like i have that in the back of my mind but like realistically i think rose is probably the best strawweight in the world right now and by by a pretty good margin so, and I, and I would have to think that she trained most of her training camp, her her wrestling. You know what I'm saying? Like she she, she knows Carla as far as the game plan. We all know Carla as far as the game plan. It's not fucking rocket science. So you know. So um. So while I kind of like have in the back of my mind that Carla could get it done, I do think I I, I agree with you, and I think Rose probably stops her in the. Probably like third, fourth round, man. Um, now the question to you, I, I want to do is, I, I've I've been hearing a lot of people say it. If she beats Carla, does she pass Joanna as the best strawweight of all time? It's hard to to not agree with that, man. Like you're talking about beating Joanna twice, decisively, pretty much both times, beating Wiley Zhang, the other champion beating Jessica Andrade, the under champion, like avenging that loss. Uh, you know, I would like to see that fight again, like a trilogy of that fight if Rose does end up getting past uh, uh, Carlos Esparza tomorrow night because, uh, again, it, it's 1-1, not to mention the tide was kind of swinging at the ending of that second fight with uh, Jessica Andrade really butchering uh, Rose Namajunas, uh, but Rose, you know, uh, still getting her hand raised via decision that night. But if they're able to go out there and uh, have that trilogy and she beats Jessica Andrade decisively, um, then yeah, I th I think that's what we need to wait for. Uh, you can say it, you can say it if she beats Carlos Barza, but I, for me personally, and it's more so selfish than anything, I would like to see her kind of right the wrong of the Jessica Andrade fight because that the, the momentum was definitely shifting in that fight. Now give them five rounds. Back then they only had three rounds. Uh, yeah, it's hard to right. Yuana is the goat apparently, but she's lost to her twice now. Makes sense. It it, it, it is, and it's like 
what do you value more? Do you value like getting the wins in the rematches or, or, or tile defenses? You know, because Joanna still has her beaten tile defenses. And Rose Rose's last like I think her last five fights have all been rematches. Yeah. So I feel like I, I feel like if if Rose were to go out and beat Carlos Barza and then she beats Marina Rodriguez, then I, then I'll be more then I'll be more like okay. Now she's, she's been like, the best of the best, though, right? And you're right. There are a crop of fighters still coming up that uh, deserve a title shot and could make a, make a statement as well. But as of this point, I can't argue. I can't argue. Yeah, Rose is probably one of the best in the in, in the game right now, especially at that division. So in terms of a prediction, you're, you're going to go with Rose? Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, perfect. All right, let's keep this moving along because we got a great fight next up. We got Michael Chandler coming in as a minus 400 favorite, taking on Tony Ferguson coming in as a plus 300 underdog. Uh, violent fight, man. You know, a lot of people expected Gaethje and Chandler to not go the distance. It ended up going the 15 minutes to the surprise of many, uh, especially with the amount of shots both of those guys ate, just slinging leather. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, you were there live for that fight. I'm sure you still have goosebumps thinking about that fight, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, great, great fight there uh but here you know tony ferguson a lot of people calling him washed you know had a very tough go especially since covid era uh losing that fight to uh uh, Justin Gaethje uh, in the uh, the first event back for the UFC and then getting smothered for 80% of his last two fights by uh, Benio Dariush and obviously now champ or now former champion Charles Oliveira. <laughs> Here we go again with this Charles Oliveira shit. But uh, th this is a different stylistical matchup, right? Michael Chandler, known as a wrestler, but really doesn't use his wrestling as much anymore. He likes to throw with the leather. He likes to look for the knockout. He likes to be the exciting fan favorite. And I can see that kind of happening here as well right for the betterment of his career he shouldn't go out there and do that because he's one and two in the ufc right now a loss here would make him one and three not the way you want to start off your ufc career although you've gained a bunch of fans you still got to go out there and get the dubs so that you can get get back to the title right see you at the top right isn't that isn't that his famous saying like he, he wants to go out there and do that um if he was smart he would try to take this fight to the ground uh and, and really try to grind out tony ferguson i have question marks about his ability to deal with Ferguson's unorthodox approach with his jiu-jitsu off of his back. Like Benio Dariush and Charles Oliveira, great jiu-jitsu players. D Michael Chandler, great wrestler, but we still got to figure out how he does with his uh, his top pressure there. Um, Tony Ferguson, on the other hand, like he needs this dub, man. He really, really needs this dub. 0-3 in his last three fights, not a good look for him. He's obviously getting up there in age as well. I don't know if he'll be able to withstand the power of, of, of Michael Chandler, though. I think Chandler eventually lands on him, gets him out of there, um, and, and wins via first-round knockout. The bet that I'm looking at myself as a, as a gambling man is uh, the fight doesn't go to decision. I think it's hanging around minus 180. I think there's a possibility that Tony Ferguson could get a club in some situation where he might even be able to pull out one of his patented Anaconda or Darce chokes, especially if there's a sloppy shot from Michael Chandler later in this fight. Ferguson probably has a cardio advantage in this fight as well. If Michael Chandler is forced to work a lot, he's going to be forced to work, right? Tony Ferguson is still nonstop action all the time, and he's going to be coming at you at every single moment. So either Chandler gets this done early or, you know, things get a little bit fishy for him later in this fight. I'll go uh, Chandler first round KO, but I'm not betting him at minus 400. I think that's a fool's errand here uh, to, to bet him as that big of a favorite. He doesn't have the same style as the last couple guys that have beaten Tony Ferguson. Things might get a little bit fishy, but I still do think his power will prevail and he'll be able to get the dub here. So uh, Chandler first round KO is what I'm going to go with. What about yourself? Man, I um, 
I think Tony Ferguson is going to be Michael Chandler. And I've been saying it, and I'm I'm still going to fucking say it. Um, so if Michael Chandler does, I mean, if, if he was a smart man, he, he would he would go out and wrestle Tony Ferguson. Although Tony Ferguson has very good wrestling too. It's just it's just different from Michael Chandler's, right? Um, I just don't think Michael Chandler is going to do that. And I think once he hears the crowd, once he hears Tony Ferguson, Tony Ferguson, who is a fan favorite, and the crowd is going to be behind him, he's he's going to stand and bang with Tony Ferguson. Now, it's no secret Tony Ferguson has looked very bad his last three fights, but I think with the time off. And he said during media day that he's that he was injured in his last two fights. I think with the time off, him doing him having fun again, him being not injured, I think that's going to play a lot in this fight. And I think he's going to beat Michael Chandler. Now, does he finish Michael Chandler? I don't know. I don't know if he does. Um, so I'm going Tony Tony Ferguson. You a unanimous decision. That's that. That is my pick. That is my pick. Uh, what, what what are the props for Tony UD? Tony, okay. First of all, Tony via decision. Uh, let, let's get that one out of the way first. We got Tony looking at plus five fifty for him to win by decision. For him to win specifically by unanimous decision, uh, there is a website that offers that. That's plus eight hundred. <laughs> god damn yeah if um, only you were a betting man my guy <laughs> <laughs> i know right i know right so um yeah i'm just i'm i'm i, I think tony's gonna get it done and I, I i said it the second this fight is booked i love this fight because of the violence and the name value but i hate this fight because one of these guys is going to be on a very bad skit and um both guys really need a win and i think tony ferguson's going to Gonna get it done. All right, a bold take from my guy Alex Balunin. <laughs> let's see if he has egg on his face come Saturday night. We'll find out very, very shortly. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got a, a couple of old timers going at it. We got a rematch of Maurizio Shogun Hua coming in as the plus two hundred underdog. The flip side, we got Ovin Saint Pru. Actually, it's plus two twenty five now uh, for Shogun uh, minus two sixty five. The return on Ovin Saint Pru. Another rematch that was uh, a month before Rose and Carla, November of two thousand fourteen, when. Uh, Ovin St. Pru went out there as a plus 140 underdog that night and starred Shogun Hua in 34 seconds. That's where we got the infamous skateboard gif out of uh, that meme. Probably one of my favorite things ever that was created and put on Twitter. Uh, but Ovin St. Pru, man, hits like a Mack truck. Um, I've been kind of writing off Shogun, you know, my favorite fighter of all time. Shogun's my favorite fighter oh, of all wow. time. I, I know that. Okay. But, but, I started writing him off after he got guillotine choked by Chael Sonnen way back in 2013. Yet here he is nine years later, still doing the damn thing. And now he, you know, he did pick up a couple of decent victories since that Chael Sonnen loss. But to tap to a guillotine choke from Chael Sonnen was a, you know, at that point in career for for Shogun was what well, was very despicable. I'm going to use that term despicable. It was not a good look at all from a guy Shogun and didn't even look that that tight to be honest. Who am I to to talk though, right? I'm not a fighter. I'm just a keyboard warrior, if anything. But uh, yeah, Shogun. Uh, he has gotten smarter as his career has gone on, though, right? He doesn't just normally rely on his striking. He'll engage in the clinch. He'll look for takedowns. He'll try to grind you out. Uh, and he'll go for those takedowns later in a round, especially if it's a very close round, right? Um, 
so so good work from him there. Unfortunately, I just don't think he's going to be able to show that off because I think he's going to get laid out pretty simply the same way he did the first fight. The last thing to go for a lot of fighters is power. And Ovin St. Prue, although he's only a year and a half younger than Shogun Hua here, he still has shown that he has a tremendous amount of power. He's still going to be the more explosive and faster fighter in this situation. And Shogun, whenever he gets touched on the chin, man, it just does not look good. There's nothing more that I want to see than Shogun Hua go out on a win here. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think Ovin finds that chin. Uh, he's been talking about it in media day, saying that he wants to go out there and prove uh, a statement, wants to try to up his or or do better than his last performance against Shogun Hua. It's going to be a tough task to defeat him quicker than 34 seconds, but I still don't think he'll be able to find that chin. Just let a barrage of strikes go. One of those will likely drop Shogun. The referee will step in there shortly thereafter. A couple of bets that I'm looking at. Fight doesn't go to the decision at minus 180. I think that's a damn good bet here rather than taking the chalk on uh, on Ovin St. Prue at minus 265. And also, uh, Ovin St. Prue to win inside round one, plus 200. Give me that shit because I think that's going to be a damn good bet uh, and will more than likely cash here. So uh, OSP, first round KO. Hurts me to say that, Alex. It really does. Like, I even I got my Shogun Hua uh, poster right over to the side here the night that I beat uh, Leo Machida back at UFC 113. But... Uh, I'll cover that up for the sake of this uh, for the sake of this fight, but I think he gets charged once again. What were your thoughts here? You got another nutty take from me on the show going to side, or uh, absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely, bro. <laughs> Shogun, Shogun, who is gonna is gonna is gonna submit OSP, bro? Submission. Um, so, man. Um, first, let me let me say, Shogun getting. Finished by Paul Craig. Uh, Shogun tapping to strikes is not a good look at all. Obviously, oh, that was um, you know it was it was bad. It was heartbreaking. He probably should have called it a career there, but I think there's a reason why he took the time off, why he handpicked OSP to come back to, because I think he thinks it's it, it, it's it's a winnable fight and. He wants to avenge this loss, and in all of his interviews this week, he's he's like, I, I got embarrassed in Brazil, so I so I think this fight really means a lot to him, obviously. Um, and OSP is probably top three most inconsistent fighters in the UFC by fucking far, by far. Um, the thing is, is he has he packs a lot of punch. Shogun's chin obviously is not the same as as it once was. Um, Hence him getting finished by Paul Craig, who's not a good stand-up artist at all. Um, but I just, I, I think I'm letting my old-school bias kind of seep through my Shogun love, which I shouldn't, I shouldn't do. But it is. I, I don't, I don't give a fuck. It's <laughs> just one of those fights where I'm just like, I, I don't give a shit, dude. I'll, I'll probably. I'll probably be heartbroken tomorrow night, and uh, I know there's a bunch of people just waiting to tweet me and say I'm a fucking idiot, and whatever. It is what it is. I I am dumb. So, Shogun, <laughs> Shogun by submission round two. If if Fuck. you see an angle, fucking stick with it. You know what I mean? Like you did make a damn good case, sir. I, I, I can't complain about that. And, and it's interesting to me that Shogun did agree to this fight, right? And, and more often than not, we see in those situations when fighters have that type of reputation with the UFC, they give them a list of fighters. It's not they just say, you're fighting St. Prue next. They probably give him St. Prue, maybe even throw in Nogueira's name in there for the hell of it, just, to, just, just once again. I think get the fifth fight, if I'm not mistaken, between them or something like that. But um, he, yeah. chose, he chose St. Prue. Right. 
Exactly. And I mean, they, they could have easily given him like Jelton Almeida, right? Or like someone, uh, a younger fighter to make a name off of Shogun. They, easily. They could have easily done it because Shogun has said he wants two more fights. And the UFC likes to do the old uh, WWE thing where they you, you go out in a loss and they're going to build somebody up. So they could have easily given him a, a killer, but there's a reason why they're doing the rematch because he handpicked OSP and uh, he's going to finish OSP. OSP. I would I, I will tweet you immediately if that happens out of elation. Let's see. How this goes. All right. Uh, shout out to my guy, Average Joe, asking uh, about the Charles Oliver weight miss. Go to the beginning of the show. Just rewind, and you'll see us like live reaction, uh, finding out that uh, Charles Oliveira is now no longer the lightweight champion. So just hit that rewind. Go to the beginning of the podcast because I don't want to keep uh, you know repeating ourselves for the the audio of listeners or even people watching this afterwards as well. All right, Alex. Let's move on to the next fight. Here we got the curtain jerker of the main card. What is this? 2013? Is this a, a throwback card or something? First we got Shogun and freaking Oven Oven St. Pru running it back. And now we got Donald Cowboys throwing taking on Joe Lozon. In terms of odds, we're currently looking at minus 170 for uh sorry, minus 185 for Donald Cerrone, plus 160 the return on Joe Lozon. I, I'm kind of mystified here, right? Why is Joe Lozon coming back? He had the picture-perfect way to ride off into the sunset. You get a big win against a rising prospect in Jonathan Pierce in front of your home crowd. Not just a win. You get a dominant victory as well in the first round, absolutely bull-rushing him, you know, chopping him down immediately and getting the dub there. For some reason, they gave him Donald Cowboy Cerrone. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do it again. And now here he is uh, going up against uh, Cowboy. He looks solid on the scales. Looks like a guy that was very much prepared for this fight. Uh, I spoke to Tyson Chartier yesterday, who, uh, you know, good friends with Joe Lozon, Northeasterners, uh, stick together pretty well there. And uh, he's saying that Joe's pretty much been living in the gym, man, just just working day in and day out to try to make a statement in this fight and uh, maybe ride off into the sunset once again with uh, with a, uh, you know, a name like Don and Cowboy Cerrone on his record now. And then on the flip side, I've been hearing the same thing about Cowboy. Apparently he has his uh, RV parked at the, the parking lot of the PI and uh, he's just been training as hard as he can to, uh, you know, get his first win, which would be his first win in three years. Last time he got his hand raised was against Ally Quinta uh, in May of 2019. A picturesque Donald Cowboys Cerrone performance that night, absolutely demolishing Ally Quinta for the majority of 25 minutes. Uh, I still lean with the Cowboys Cerrone side here. My only concern is the fact that he's a very slow starter, right? If you go out there and just bum rush him right off the bat, you could potentially find that shin and get a quick stoppage here, similar to what Alex Morono was able to do. To do uh, not as quickly, though, obviously, right? I believe that fight ended with like uh, seconds remaining in that first round. But either way, uh, Joe Lozon's got to know that's his best way of winning this fight. Let's try to get it done early because his cardio, the longer that his career has gone, has not looked the greatest. You saw him, uh, you know, forced to, to, to have to stop the fight against Chris Gritzmacher. He got stopped by Clay Guida by punches. Who does Clay Guida stop via punches anymore? Nobody except Joe Lozon. And then obviously he was able to go out there and get that big one against Jonathan Pierce. But again, if he can replicate what he did against Jonathan Pierce, I could see him getting his hand raised. There's a couple of crazy odds out there in terms of Joe Lozon winning in round one via KO, sitting around plus 1,200. Not a bad 
spot, right? That is absolutely his way to win this fight. Just bum rush uh, Cowboy Cerrone and try to get to him before Cerrone gets into his groove. Because once Cerrone gets into his groove, he is the much better fighter by a mile at this point in their career. I know they're both pushing 40 at this point in time, but I still do think that Cerrone has the chops to go out there and put a you know put together a solid performance against Joe Lozon. Prediction is going to be Cerrone looked solid on the scales to me this morning. I do think he'll be able to you know withstand their early barrage, then start to put it together and get Joe Lozon out of there in the second round. But once again, just as the constant theme has been for this entire main card, give me some violence, Alex. I'm looking at the violence bet here under two and a half. I believe it's sitting around minus one fifty. Let me just quickly confirm that number here for you guys. Uh, under two and a half, actually minus one eighty now. I still don't mind that number. I think there's going to be violence either way. Whoever wins will likely get it done via finish. I'm going to go with Cowboy Cerrone, though. Uh, what about yourself? What do you got here? Jello's on first round knockout. Look at this fucking guy. <laughs> Look at this fucking guy. <laughs> he is. He is. It, that's Jello's on is known for his first round finishes. Yeah. Don, Donald Cerrone is a very slow starter. I don't think he. I don't think he's 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 going to be able to survive it. And Jello's on is going to. Is a knockout Donald Cerrone. Um, I, I would love, I would love to see Donald Cerrone go out with a win, because um, you know he's been a he's been a fan favorite for many years. He's he's put the UFC on his back for many many years. I just think it's just it's you you look at some fires, man, and their downfall is heartbreaking, man. BJ Penn, you know Anderson Silva. You know what I'm saying? They these long losing streaks, and I think he's he is going to be Liddell. victim to that. Chuck Liddell, you know what I'm saying? Rashad Evans, you know what I'm saying? It's just fucking name him. Van Vanderlei Silva, name him. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like favorite fighter, God, God, God. <laughs> Breaking my you know heart over and over again over here. You know what I'm saying? So and I I think the story does not end well, and Joe is going to knock out Donald Stone in the first round. There you guys have it. Some some underdog takes from my guy Alex Boone, and with you know he, he makes a good point about a lot of them though. You, you, it's hard to uh, it's hard to make a solid case that uh, Cowboy Cerrone won't get put out in that first round, which is why I'm not willing to pay that minus one eighty on his uh, money line here. But yeah, one of these guys is gonna gonna go down, just like my guy DXJC is saying here under two and a half. Hopefully one of these men kills the other swiftly. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen here. All right, let's move on to the uh, prelims here. We'll get through these uh, relatively briefly here. Uh, kicking things off, I, I might be off on this. You, you can confirm this for me, but it seems like Andre Fialo and Cameron Van Camp is highlighting the prelims. Is that correct? So it's 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 flipped back and forth. One day it was Fialo, and then the other day it was Chaos Williams. So yeah. I think... I think let's see. Let me do your UFC stats real quick. According to according to MMA Junkies uh, weigh-in results uh, page, they have Fialio and Cameron Van Camp as the uh, the prelim headliner. I'm not I'm not, I'm not sure. Uf, go ahead. UFC stats has Randy Brown versus Chaos Williams. All right, you know what? Let's go. Let's go. Uh, let's go. UFC stats order. We'll start off with the uh, Brown versus. Uh, Brown versus Williams. Uh, great fight there. Obviously, Chaos Williams, uh, you know, uh, putting together solid performances, showing that he's not just this one-punch knockout kind of guy. Obviously, he had that big knockout victory over Miguel Baeza last time around. He also outstruck him 49-31 to 31 in that fight. But the fight before that was the one where he tried to show off his total uh, tool set. 91 strikes to six, 64 strikes, beating Matthew Semmelsberger via decision. Uh, but I think he has his work cut out for him here against Randy Brown, who I believe is the much better fighter overall. He has a plethora of UFC experience. Uh, his tall, rangy kickboxing style 
I think will cause Chaos Williams some issues, especially in terms of being able to close the distance and land his big power shots. Chaos Williams has landed some decent leg kicks over his last couple of fights, so that might be a point of emphasis for him here to kind of chop down the tree of Randy Brown and then let his hands go after that. But I'd kind of be surprised if he can do it effectively here. I think we'll see Randy Brown check those kicks properly, and I think we'll see him put his hands together, You you know, stick behind that teep and that front kick and keep him on the outside and just paint a picture with the striking from from distance i think Randy brown is a solid underdog play i believe he is still the underdog let me just quickly confirm that for you guys uh he is sitting at plus one uh doo -doo -doo -doo. actually it's it's getting close to a pick em line here now we got about minus 115 on chaos williams minus 105 on Randy brown so earlier in this week you could get Randy brown around plus 110 some love coming on into it or on him throughout fight week and justifiably so I like the uh, the Randy Brown side here. I even like him by decision, which actually sits at plus 325. Great bet there, in my opinion. Uh, Chaos Williams, very durable, very difficult to put away. And I think that uh, Randy Brown, although he is known as a finisher, he'll have to go back to what he did in the Jared Gordon fight or Jared Gooden fight last time around. You know, land upwards of 100 significant strikes and win this fight via decision. I'm going Randy Brown, decision. What about yourself, Alex? Same thing, same thing. I, I, I'm on Randy Brown decision. I do think Randy Brown is the more well-rounded fighter. I think a lot of people are just looking at uh, the, the 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 recency bias of KS Williams of him starching people, um, which you know, he's good. He's good. He beat my guy Matthew Semlesberger, uh, but although it was, it was a very close fight, um, and he beat Miguel Baeza. Um, Randy Brown, before he got finished by Vicente Luque, I I, I thought he was he, he was beating Vicente Luque. He was he looked very very good. And then that Nico Price fight, uh, he was doing a lot of damage, and Nico Price just got him with a oh a wild knockout. You know what I'm saying? You want to talk so, about never uh, seeing that again? That's probably it, one of those knockouts we'll never see again. Exactly. Ex ever ever. Um, so although I do think um the knockout. For KS Williams is going to be there all, all all fifteen minutes, and he could connect. I just think Randy Brown is going to stay out, stay a distance, pick him apart. I I could even see Randy Brown using his wrestling and taking Chaos Williams down and, and using his ground game because Randy Brown is very good on the ground as well. Um, and we really haven't seen that too much from Chaos Williams because everybody wants to stand and bang with him. So um, I, I'm very curious to see what the submission prop is for Randy Brown. But I'm don't I'm going right around unanimous decision. Love to hear, love to hear. I'm glad that we're on the same page with that one. There, <laughs> it seems like you were just picking against me for the sake of picking against me. Well, uh, I'm glad that uh, we're on the same spot there. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We're looking at uh, pa -pa 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 -pa. again UFC stats is the order that we're going to be going with. Francisco Trinaldo, 43 year old Francisco Trinaldo, taking on Danny Roberts. Uh, both guys looking solid on the scales uh, in terms of odds. Uh, pretty much a pick 'em fight here. Both guys coming in at minus 110. You got to believe that that at this point in time. Danny Roberts is a much better fighter, you know, younger, more athletic, faster, has great striking. Francisco Trinaldo, you know, averages roughly about 30 significant strikes landed per fight, which is not a good look, especially if, oh, excuse me, especially if you're going the full 15 minutes uh, time and time again. Sometimes he's able to squeak it out. Sometimes he's not. 
Danny Robinson, I think he's going to be able to put solid output on him here. Good volume, stay busy, uh, you know, with the jab, try to stay safe at distance. But there's always that one shot that Francisco Trinaldo could possibly land and put Danny Roberts's lights out. I have question marks about Roberts's uh, durability, um, and I think that uh, you know if Francisco finds that that shin, he could prob probably put him out. I think it's roughly around plus 400, plus 500 for Trinaldo to win via knockout. That would be the much better bet rather than playing him at even money on the money line. But I do think it's ultimately that's going to be uh, Roberts who who sticks and moves well here, stays on the outside and boxes his way to a victory here. Uh, yeah, give me Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts. But I ain't touching this fight with my money. I'm keeping that money in my pocket and putting it on different fights. What are your thoughts for this matchup? What do you like here? I, I'm 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 agreeing with you again. I think uh, Dan Roberts stays on the outside, picks apart uh, Francisco Trinaldo. At some point, Trinaldo's gonna have to show his age at, at 43 years old. It's it's it, it's got it's got to happen, dude. He's not gonna fight till he's 67 years old, is he? I mean, goddamn. Maybe, um, <laughs> maybe, dog. Um, yeah, uh, like you said, there is a chance that he lands a knockout. A knockout punch, but I just don't. I don't see it. I don't see it. I, I think Randy, uh, Dan Roberts is just the quicker, younger, more, more hungry. I think it. I think it pissed him off that he didn't get on that London card. I believe. Yeah, right. And because uh, that's what he he told me that he was he was he was disappointed. So I, I think he's gonna take his out take out his uh, anger on Ronaldo and just kind of outpoint him to get the UD. Master Anduba's got to hang it up, but uh, we'll see if he can actually end it off on a win here, uh, fighting that chin of Roberts. Nor, neither me or Alex believe that's actually going to happen. All right, let's keep this train moving along. Next up, we got Macy Kiasan and the other weight miss this morning. Norma Dumont coming in at 146 and a half pounds. Not a good look for her, especially after having those weight miss gaffes at 135 pounds. Had to believe that she was going to be comfortable at 145 she still goes out there and misses the weight. Not a good look from her at all. Uh, now it's just it, now it doesn't look like she was drained or crazy, uh, you know, like what Charles Oliveira had to deal with her uh, later on at the weigh-ins. So I do think she'll be okay come fight time. I do think she 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 should be favored. I believe she's roughly around minus 200, plus 170 to return on Macy Kiasson. I, I think she's the better, more impactful striker. I think she's big enough to deal with the physicality of Macy Kiasson, which is what she's been using for the majority of her wins, right? She used to be heavy chalk in every single fight because she was much bigger than a lot of these women. She was able to drag them to the ground and just overpower them, bully them, essentially. But as she starts taking steps up in competition, like she did against Raquel Pennington, you see her fall flat on her face and then obviously get choked out in that fight here against Norma Dumont. I think she's going to struggle to get Norma Dumont into those positions. And I think she's going to struggle dealing with the, the, the striking of Norma Dumont. I like Dumont here, maybe not at minus 200, but she should be favored here. And I do think she goes out there and gets the win, even with that weight gaff that she had this morning. Uh, give me Dumont, Dumont via decision. What about yourself, Bohunin? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of leaning your way too. Um, it's, it's crazy because Macy Shashan, missed weight with her return to, to, to featherweight and then <clears throat> now norma misses weight <clears throat> and i think um I, you, you make very good points uh it, it's crazy i i wrote about it all week that uh norma dumont could have cast her cast her featherweight title shot um with, with a win over uh macy um 
but with the weight with weight miss i think that's all but gone um unless you go out there and like really dominates or really looks good i don't think this is going to be the most most exciting fight on the card it reeks of just cage control and well <laughs> um, you know, honestly, um, I do know that uh, I, I I did talk to Macy. She's very very honed in. She felt embarrassed in in, in her last fight, and uh, she's trying to go out and make a statement. Uh, talk with Safe. He's he's very you know safe. Safe is safe. <laughs> um, I just don't know if. I just don't know if, if she beats Norma Dumont because I think Norma Dumont's very underrated and she's a fucking tank. Um, so with all that being said, I'm agreeing with you. I think Norma Dumont just wins a UD. Boring fight, though. I, I, I will say this, though. Even with the weight miss, I wouldn't count it out that they don't give her the title shot, right? Like, we're talking about a, a, a division that doesn't even have rankings because there's nobody in the division. So I think even with the weight miss, if she goes out there and gets the dub, uh, albeit, you know, we still have to wait to see what happens with Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena. They're obviously going to be fighting for the 135-pound title probably later this year. So if anything, you know, Norma Dumont will likely have to fit in another fight after this if she does go out there and get the win. From your perspective, though, what do you think they should do with the 145-pound division? Man, um, it all... It all depends on if Amanda beats Juliana or loses to Juliana, right? Because... Yeah, that's the only reason why they still have it. I would like them to get rid of it and just do and and bring them bring up the atom weight division. Um, I know a lot of people don't want it because it's smaller girls, which means no less finishes. But like, look, I mean, could you imagine Tisha Torres or like Loma or Karate Hottie going down atom weight? Like, it's it's a lot more fun. It's a lot of fun matchups. Plus, all the people outside of the UFC. Um. Yeah, so I think it just—it all depends on if if Amanda loses to Juliana, um, so that they kind of can say, "Oh, Amanda Nunes is still the baddest chick in the world." You know, she's still a, a champion. Um, but I hope they kind of nix it pretty soon. What 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 do you want to see done with it? Dude, you, you took the words out of my mouth. I absolutely agree that they should bring the atom weights in. At least there's more of a division there. There's some fun fighters on that uh, in, in that division. And there's also some uh, straw weights that can go down to atom weight and add some more name value to it, right? Uh, I think maybe you could get Tisha Torres down there. You could get Loma Lupunmi down there. You could get uh, Jinyu Fry if she's still with the UFC. You can get her down there. Um there's so many chicks. Sam Hughes would benefit from a 105-pound division as well. So, yeah, I, I think there's more than enough talent. And even the girls that are fighting for that division uh, in Invicta right now, like that, there's enough talent for them to make a, a legit 105-pound uh, division. And not to mention, actually have rankings for it. Right, like you're talking about barely clinging onto a division with rankings. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Absolutely agree with you. All right. In terms of that fight, both of us going with Dumont, not thinking it's going to be that thrilling. We do agree on that aspect as well, but Dumont should be able to get her hand raised, although she did miss weight this morning. 
All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Brandon Royval against Matt Schnell. Very, very fun fight. You want to talk about a fun fight? This is the fun fight. We got uh, minus 250 on Brandon Royval, plus 210 the return on Matt Schnell. Uh, and speaking of weigh-ins, right, Matt, Matt Schnell has had a rough go the last uh, year or so. Uh, obviously, he had his weight miss uh, where you're supposed to go up against uh, Alex Press. Sorry, he made weight but uh, was not able to get medically cleared after making weight. Uh, and then the next time around, they booked the fight again. Alex Perez misses by, what, one and a half pounds, I think it was. It wasn't that big of a miss. And Matt Schnell was like, I'm good. We're cool. We don't need to do this fight. I'm like, come on. Like, that's not a good way to to be in the good graces with the UFC. They've tried to book that fight four times. And now you're, you know, both you guys are medically cleared to fight. Both you guys are within decent amount of range of that weight, but you still don't want to fight. Not a good look. Albeit, you know, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. He said a, a bit of that was due to the fact that uh, he fought Hajiria Bontarin, uh, who did miss weight for that fight. And he felt as though it did make a difference, especially with how much uh, Bontarin was looking to grapple. And that's Alex Prez's game. He's a, he's a wrestler. He wants to take it to the ground. He wants to use that weight against you. And maybe he thought that was an advantage for, for Perez. Schnell, uh, I think he's the better technical fighter here in this matchup against Brandon Royval. But it's the fighting aspect of it that I think Brandon Royval is much better. Better at him then, right? Perfect example is seeing Brandon Roy Valley against Kai Car France. The Kai Car France just beat a high level opponent last a uh, couple months ago against uh, Askar Askarov. And, and he couldn't get past Brandon Roy Valley because of the chaos that uh, Brandon Roy Valley brings to the table. Uh, I, I'm picking Brandon to win here. I'm, I just always sweat my ass off playing him at minus 250 uh, as such a big favorite because his margin of error is very, very thin, right? If he goes out there and, and, and just slips up one moment, his opponent could absolutely take advantage and find a finish themselves. Um, I, I'm, I'm taking the violence here as well. I don't think this fight goes to a decision. I do think it's either Roy Val gets a club in sub spot here or even Schnell could potentially find his own finish as well. Uh, I, yeah, give me violence. I think it currently sits around minus 150. But in terms of a prediction, I'm going to go with Raw Dog, probably one of my favorite fighters in the UFC right now. I'm going to go with Brandon Roy Val. What about yourself, Alex? So this is Brandon Roy Val's first fight in front of a sold-out crowd. Um, he's been asking. Oh, yeah, good point. You know, he's been asking for it. And this, you know, there's some fighters that you want to see in front of a sold out crowd. He's one of them. And I think that's going to play a, a big, big factor in this fight because he's he's one of those fighters that once he hears the cheers, once he hears the everything, he just gets more and more active, more and more violent. I do agree with you. I, I do think Matt Shell is, is a little bit more well-rounded with his striking, with his everything. I just I think Brandon Roy Val is just is he's in the zone. Um, he was dude. He was brought to tears that he went to a decision against Bontron in his last fight. I was there live, and then I was talking to him, and bro, he was fucking crying that he went to a decision. Like wow. what, dude? That's crazy. It's crazy. So um, yeah, uh, this is this is violence. This, this is probably fight of the night. Um, up until we, we get to the main card. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, uh, I, I think Brandon Royval finishes Matt Chanel. I'm going to say submission round two. I like it. I like it. 
glad that we're on the same spot there as well. All right, let's uh, let's rifle through these last couple ones that we got up. We got Blagoy Ivanov going up against Marcos Hargirio de Lima. In terms of odds, we're currently looking at minus uh, 150 for the returning Blagoy Ivanov, plus 130 to return on Marcos Hargirio de Lima. Now, we haven't seen Ivanov since May of 2020, which was the same month that the UFC returned after this whole COVID issue uh, or pandemic. Um, and then on the flip side for Hargirio de Lima, two-fight winning streak, obviously goes out there and grinds out Maurice Green two fights ago and then in his last fight just absolutely starches Ben Rothwell sending him out of the UFC that's Delima's game though right either he has that big grappling advantage over his opponents or he just gets you out of there in the first round there's no real in between because if he does fight a guy that has some resistance to his grappling and can withstand his big power he starts to lose that confidence and starts to slow down later in fights and then eventually gets finished himself Blagoy Ivanov might be our modern day Roy Nelson in terms of the amount of damage this guy can sustain and continue to move forward you need proof Go back and watch this fight with Derek Lewis because this guy ate bombs from Derek Lewis and continued to move forward in that fight. I do think he deals with the the, the early onslaught from uh, Delima here and then starts to put it on him later in this fight, eventually getting him out of there probably in the second or third round. I'm a big Blagoy Ivanov fan, which is not something you'll hear from a lot of people, but I do think he goes out there and gets the dub here. What about yourself, Alex? My brother. I am a, I am a <laughs> fan too. I'm yes, so oh. Yeah, I'm so happy he's back. Um I think he should be on a, let's see. A, yeah, he's had, I'm glad that you're bringing this up. A couple couple of sketchy losses yeah. there, right? Yeah, I think he should, I think he should be on a four or five win streak because I thought he beat Derek Lewis and I thought he beat Sakai. Um, whatever, it is what it is. Um, the dilemma is very in, in, inconsistent too, um, and he's not going to knock out Bogoy Ivanov, and I don't think he's going to be able to, to submit Ivanov. This ha- the, this does has have the opportunity to be a very boring fight as well, with with, with a lot of um, cage hugging and shit. Um, but I think he broke it down perfectly. Um, although I don't know if Ivanov finishes the dilemma. But uh, I'm, I'm going. My pick is my official pick is is, is Blagoy, and I'm, I'm happy that he's back. And I do think the the uh, the time off is really going to help him. I'm glad to hear that as well. Do, do you know the exact reason for his layoff? Have you have you managed to uh, to uncover that? Yeah, um, it was it was injuries, um, injuries, and then uh, and then he moved to. Vegas, I believe, and he's training at Extreme Couture now. But uh, mostly it was, I, I believe it was a knee injury. Don't quote me, but I believe that's what it was. I, I could I could get you a better answer in a couple, in, in an hour, if, if I were to hit up Eric. Perfect, perfect. No, I, I do recall seeing more uh, videos and pictures of him actually training at Extreme Couture. And I think that's a great move for him as well, especially with all the extra bodies that he's going to have to train with there as well. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We're looking at Andre Fialo versus Cameron Van Camp. Fialo making a very quick turnaround after knocking out Miguel Baeza last month. He's taking on Cameron Van Camp, who's been itching to get inside the cage, right? If you guys remember last year, he was supposed to fight Nicholas Mota. Uh, Mota pulls out day of the fight. Cameron Van Camp gets put on ice. And now here he is, ready to go and make his UFC debut. Minus 400 is currently the line on Andre Fialo, which I think is a little bit absurd. I think a lot of it has to do with the recency bias of him going out there and getting that knockout victory over Miguel Baeza. His Cameron Van Camp's not that bad. He has a very good jiu-jitsu game. He has a plethora of uh, different submissions on, of it, on his record. And I'm not a big fan of Andre 
Andre Fialo's gas tank either. If you guys go back and watch some of his LFA fights, the guy really starts to slow down, especially if he's not able to get you out of there in the first round. His last five out of six fights, he's managed to get that first round knockout, which is why there was a lot of, uh, you know, buzz on him coming into the UFC against Michel Pereira. But if you go back a little bit further, you got to look at it from a macro version, not a microscope. Look at it from a macro and you see that, you know, when fights do get extended, he does start to struggle. He's a bruiser, likes to go out there and really, uh, you know, throw his uh, boxing uh, strikes and and try to find the knockout. But his, his grappling game really needs a little bit of work. And I think if Cameron can deal with that early onslaught, he should be able to drag uh, Fialo to the ground and potentially she found a submission. This is the first time I'm actually seeing the Van Campia submission line, which is currently plus 700. It's going to get a little bit of my money there because I think there's some value there. But in terms of an actual prediction here, I do think Fialo does find that uh, that knockout blow in the first round and eventually gets him out of there. Fialo round one currently sits at plus one, 130. Fialo via KO sits at minus 135. I would rather play that than play Fialo at minus 400 as I believe like if Fialo wins, it's more than likely going to come via finish. So I'd rather take him inside the distance than take the the gamble on only getting you know if you put 100 bucks on that minus 400 you're only getting put back 25 dollars not a good not a good gamble in my opinion i'm going fialo first round knockout the actually the other bet that i was looking at was the fight doesn't go to decision minus 300 better than playing fialo at minus 400 but you also cover the potential that van camp gets to finish as well so uh fight doesn't go to decision my favorite bet there but in terms of a prediction let's go with uh andre fialo round one what about yourself alex yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going Andre too, although Cameron Van Camp is very good. He's very good. Uh, I think people are being um, are just looking at Andre's last last few fights, and people just don't know Cameron Van Camp, to be honest. That's just, that's just what it is. Um, I talked with Andre before his last fight, um, and he said that he wants to fight six times this year. Wow. Um, yeah, and, and he's fucking serious too. Um, and the reason – and so – he said that uh you know making his ufc debut at one at 270 really it was a curse because now he wants to fight in front of a crowd every single fight uh he said that he was very disappointed fighting at the apex and that after his win he went up to dana white and said please get me on that ufc 274 and dana dana uh granted his wish and he so he's fighting and um i think he will uh i think he's gonna knock out cameraman camp um first round I'm, I'm, I, I am with you. I like that as well. I'm glad that the UFC actually gave him his wish there, right? It's not like he took any crazy damage against Miguel Baeza. Let's just get him right back in there. And if he can do it in front of a crowd, even better. And the fact that we're getting 15 fights tomorrow, knock on wood, that we're getting 15 fights tomorrow in front of a sold-out crowd, that is amazing as well. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We're looking at Tracy Cortez going up against Melissa Gatto. In terms of odds, we're currently looking at minus uh minus 130 now on tracy cortez plus 110 the return on melissa gato this fight was the one that took the most line movement throughout the or the most action throughout uh fight week in terms of uh making a line move because tracy cortez was roughly around minus 180 earlier this fight week and throughout the week a ton of love coming in on melissa gato who continues to impress time and time again she had that great fight over or that went over victoria leonardo in her ufc debut where leonardo was forced to 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 stop uh fighting i believe because she broke her forearm but it was a great performance from gato really putting the damage on her there and then she followed that up with the beautiful finish of sajar eubanks in round three in her last out or her last outing tracy cortez is a very promising prospect or you know i don't even know if we can call it a prospect anymore because she has a solid amount of wins under her belt in the ufc uh a lot of it uh behind that uh the grappling and the wrestling 
And I think that's what she's going to have to rely on here in terms of beating Melissa Gatto. The different, the, the, the question mark here is how are the judges going to score it when Melissa Gatto is the one kind of throwing up submissions and striking off her back and Tracy Cortez is just trying to hold her down. Cause I think it's going to be very difficult for Cortez to posture up and get any strikes off or even, you know, managed to, to to get much offense off. And then once this fight is in the striking realm, I think Gato is clearly the better striker here. She'll be landing the more impactful strikes. She'll be the more uh, aggressive fighter. And it'll be a lot more difficult for Cortez to get much damage off, in my opinion. So I am going to go with the underdog here, Melissa Gato. I just don't have the balls to actually bet on Gato because I'm a big Tracy Cortez fan. She's won me a lot of money in the past. And, uh, you know, it, I don't know. It, it's uh, Gato just seems like a very, very dangerous fighter. This could be the the you know her kryptonite the that wrestling and that grappling of Cortez could come here and, and really nullify that offensive nature of uh, Gato. But uh, man, as of right now, I'm on the I'm on the Gato train. Uh, give me Gato, and I think she possibly even wins this fight via decision. Uh, you know that's going to be a very tough ask, especially when she's getting controlled for the majority of it. But criteria number one for judging, Alex, what is it? Damn. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> and I think that's, what, that's what I think Gato is going to be getting. She's going to give out a ton of damage here. And I think that's what the judges wind up seeing. How do you see this one going down? My brother, I am on the most Gato train too, bro. Hey, she is, I knew I liked you. <laughs> this yeah, is bro. <laughs> yeah, bro. She's, she's, she's one of the flyweights that I keep saying, look out for, look out for. Uh, she looked very good in her, in her first two. Um, is it, um, and I do think she has the capabilities of winning this fight. I just don't know. I just don't. I don't know how good Tracy Cortez is, right? Like there, she has a lot of hype. Um, I, we all know that her, you know, grappling is very good. I, I kind of have, have a feeling that that she's just going to hold Musgado against the cage the whole time. Um, I, I think that it, there's a big possibility of that. Um, because I don't, I do not think she wants to stand and trade with uh, Mosegato, and it's crazy. Mosegato is only twenty five years old. It's it's, it's it's crazy, bro. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, because I think like for three of those years, like she was supposed to be in the UFC at like at age twenty two, age twenty three, and visa issues and all sorts of shit. So um, I, I, I like your breakdown of this, man. I, I think it's just it's two it's two ways. It's either Tracy Cortez is just gonna grapple her and kind of hold her against the fence and, and win a kind of lackluster decision or Melissa God was going to go out there and um, put on a show, kind of show that she is one of the uh, new breeds of this flyweight division up there with Blanchfield, Maverick, name them, name them, name them, you know what I'm saying? So um, my official pick, do I do safe? Do I go kind of out of the box? Um and I'm gonna go Melissa Gatto. There we go. I'm glad yeah. that you went with that side as well. It's a it's a close fight, man. It is a much closer fight than the odds initially indicated. Now that they're closing, uh, I'm I'm seeing that people are finally giving Gato the respect that she probably deserves in this spot. All right, we got a couple fights left to go here. We'll rattle through them real quick here. Uh, Clayton Rodriguez versus CJ Vergara, both contender series veterans here. Vergara obviously falling flat in his UFC debut against Ode Osborne back at UFC 265 in August. Clayton Rodriguez, uh, he's the minus 350 favorite here. Big 
big win against Santo Curatolo on the contender series. Uh, the guy looks like he has the goods, man. I think there's a reason he's the minus 350 favorite here. I like his striking. I like his distance management. I love his kicking game. I think he's going to be able to keep CJ Vergara at bay. And uh, Vergara needs to close that distance to let his hands go and have any success. I think it kind of looks similar to the O'Day Osborne fight with uh, Osborne being successful, keeping him on the outside with his kicking game. That's exactly what Clayton's good at. I think he's even better than O'Day Osborne in terms of establishing that. Uh, yeah, give me Clayton. Give me Clayton via decision as well. What do you think about this matchup? Yeah, uh, I'm not going to bullshit you and say that I know about Clayton. He's he's the one fighter on the card that I, I I need to go back and look at his fights. I watched his contender series fight, and that was enough for me. Uh, I'm very I, I know about CJ pretty well. I watched a lot of his fights on their on the regional scene, but uh, I think Clayton just gets an easy UD. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Let's move on to the next fight here. We got uh, Ariani Carnalosi going up. My fellow Canadian, Lupi Godinez. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus uh, 180 for Godinez, plus 155, the return for Carnalosi. Now, Carnalosi will always have a special place in my heart because of her fight against Nal Young. That was the first fight back in front of a sold-out crowd. First, uh, you know, pay-per-view back in front of a crowd in North America. And good God, what a fight that was. They just came right out, out of the gate and just went after each other. Uh, but I think some of the, the deficiencies that we saw in that fight from Carnalosi was her takedown defense. And what is Godinez great at? She's great at with her wrestling and her jiu-jitsu. And I think that's exactly how this fight's going to play out. It might be a little bit difficult for her at first, but I think her striking is good enough to stay competitive with Carnalosi. But I think she'll eventually be able to drag this fight to the ground, use her jiu-jitsu, maintain top position, maybe find a submission at a certain point. But I think ultimately for the purpose of the show, I'll give you guys the fact that she's going to win this fight via decision. I'm going loopy, not because she's Canadian, but I do think she's the much better fighter here. Carnalosi's a, a sight to behold, obviously, but uh, physically speaking, that doesn't win you fights, right? If that was the case, you all Romero would be the undisputed champion of every single division in the world right now, but that's not the case. Um, yeah, I'm going Godinez, Godinez decision. What about yourself, Alex? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm with you on this. My only thing is Car Carnalosi is a tank, uh, so like I was kind of like trying like, is loopy big enough to take her down but like you said carlos got got taken down in 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 her previous fights and loopy is good at what she does and um like i'm just kind of mim mimicking exactly what you said i think she'll stay safe distance enough kind of avoid the uh, power shots and uh, take her down we'll win, win a decision and uh loopy is loopy's back Let's go. All right. Let's end this thing off with the first fight of the night here. We're going to go Journey Newsom versus Fernie Garcia. Uh, minus 125 on Garcia, plus 105 now on Journey Newsom, was actually closer to plus 140 earlier in the week. A lot of love coming in on him, and I thought it was very disrespectful that he was the underdog here. He's the UFC veteran in this fight, right? Fernie Garcia having a lot of close fights on the regional scene, obviously gets that big knockout victory on the contender series to punch his ticket to the UFC, but... This is another level of fighter that he's going up against. I think Jerry Newsom will remind people why, uh, you know, he's still in the UFC. He had that quick win over Domingo Pilarte, which got eventually overturned. Uh, so technically, he's winless inside the UFC. But I think he still has a skill set to deal with the striking advantage that Fernie Garcia might have. But I think he'll be able to drag this fight to the ground, use his superior jiu-jitsu, and possibly either get a submission or just control this fight for the majority of 15 minutes and win uh, this fight. Any what, what insight do you have for this fight uh, particularly? yeah my guy fernie bro um Ooh. i yeah i'm very I'm, I'm very high in fernie um my only concern is he's in arizona 
Arizonans love to love, love the Mexicans and <laughs> here. And, and he, he told me when I was in Texas talking with him, he said, um, you know, he's down to just throw bombs and is not one to throw bombs with. Um, but he says that he believes that his, his head movement and everything, um, he, he feels like he's the superior boxer and he, he's good enough to avoid the, the bombs, but he said he is down to just slang him and bang him in, in, in this, in the ring. So that kind of gives me caution to like go with a smarter pick. But I do think Franny Garcia is the more well, well, more well-rounded fighter. And I think he can, he can win on the feet or on the ground. I think it's going to, I, I kind of think this ends in a submission surprisingly, but the safe pick is I'm going Fernie, you know, on his decision. Crazy. But, crazy, crazy, but, crazy. But there is a chance that he gets his lights put out by Jerry Newsom if he wants to stand there and bang and, and, and hear, the, hear the roar of the crowd. There's a reason why the UFC put put Fernie as the first fight because he brings a crowd. He brings the the, the, the Mexican crowd, and it's, it's, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's a great fight. I'm a big Journey Newsom fan myself, uh, and I was kind of, you know, I was feeling the disrespect when they had him as the underdog in this spot. But when you have recency bias, you know what I mean? He just got knocked out by Randy Costa in his last fight, and then on the flip side for Garcia, he's coming off an impressive knockout victory of his own. So maybe that's playing into it as well. Um, all right, just to end off the show here, uh, again, I know you're not much of a betting man, but I did ask you what you think your most uh, confident uh, fighter to win on the card is. Uh, I don't want you to give me Michael Chandler at minus 400 because I know you already picked Tony Ferguson. Personally, I'm going to go with Lopito Godinez at minus 180. I think she handles Ariane Carnelosi in the grappling aspect here. I'm pretty damn good at picking my women's MMA uh, spots here, and I feel like Godinez is worth the chalk. I think she gets it done. She might even be my lock of the night play. I'm still mulling it over, but I do think I'll pretty much let let the bag go on her here uh, to get the win over Carnelosi. What about yourself, Alex? I think the lock of the night is Andre Fialyu. Although I kind of want, I think Joe Lozon is going to knock out Donald Cerrone in that first round. Ooh. And, um, and I, I think that, I think that might be the one if I was a betting man to go, cause he is the underdog. Um, but yeah, so it's Lozon. And then my, my, my lock of the night is Andre Fialio. There you guys go. All right. Alex, truly appreciate you hopping on for me, with me this past hour. I felt like we went through a roller coaster, especially with that Charles Oliveira thing to kick off this card. Uh, did you happen to come across any other news in regards to that fight while we were doing the stream? Pretty much, pretty much the same, right? Uh, Oliveira is now stripped of his uh, title. Uh, if he wins tomorrow, the title is still vacant. If Justin Gaethje wins, he is now the champion. Anything else that we're missing out on there? I'm just, I mean, I'm still flabbergasted. <laughs> exactly. I, I stutter enough, and now, like, this is making me stutter, bro. Like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely crazy. So, very unfortunate way to, uh, to, to, to go into tomorrow's card, but at least we're still getting the fight. We should still get some chaos in the cage, and that's all that matters at the end of the day, right? The aesthetic of the, having the gold belt around your face is great and all, but it still doesn't change anything that actually happens inside the cage, and luckily we're still going to be able to see how it goes. All right, uh, Alex, anything you want to say on the back end here, and then I'll sign us off? Man, uh, I just want to say thank you for having me, man. I, I, I really appreciate it. Um, check me out, Alex Buhanan, my humanizing series, and my byline is at ksipress.com. Uh, just thank you again for having me. It was fun, uh, and I'll be back whenever you want me to.
Hell yeah, brother. I really appreciate it. I had a ton of fun. seems like the guys in the comment section enjoyed it as well. Uh, and I'm sure the people watching this on the replay will enjoy it as well. Uh, yeah, uh, you're you're not going to be at the fights tomorrow, right? You're in the middle of a move, if I'm not mistaken. I will not be there. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll both be enjoying it on pay-per-view. Pay uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, uh, again, appreciate you joining, uh, joining me. Shout out to the 100 live viewers that we currently had. Make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe on the way out. And as well, make sure you guys follow my guy, Alex, if you don't already. The link to his Twitter channel or Twitter page is in the description below. So just click that thing, hit that follow, show my guys some love and support. One of the best journalists that we have in the game right now. Let's show some more goddamn respect to my guy. All right. Uh, on behalf of myself and Alex, appreciate you guys. Enjoy the fights tomorrow. I'll be back tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern for the Fight Day live chat. Chopping it up with you guys in the live chat, taking last-minute comments, questions, and concerns for any wagers that you guys want to make on Fight Day. Until then, enjoy the Bellator fights that are currently on right now. I believe the main card just kicked off. PFL later tonight as well, and then the big 274 tomorrow. Peace out, guys. Appreciate you guys, and I'll see you guys again tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern.